Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in two locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information about our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. So think about the importance of this. What if you had one last thing to say to someone that you knew that this was going to be the last time that you spoke to them, the last time that you were able to communicate anything to them? What would you say? What, what if you had one more thing to say to your spouse, only one? What, what if you could talk to your kids one more time? What if your friends or your neighbors, you knew that this, this was the last time that you were going to be able to speak to them? What would you say? You think it would be uh, significant? Uh, do you think it would be important? Do you think it would be weighty if you had the time to prepare and to think about the one last thing that you wanted to say? We're closing out uh, the book of First Timothy. We've been journeying through this book um, for the last uh, few months. And today we're in First Timothy chapter 6, and we're going to look at the last two verses of this letter. Now, at the time, Paul does not realize that he is going to write a second letter to Timothy, which is going to be uncreatively titled Second Timothy. So he thinks, this is the last thing that I'm going to get to say. This is the last time I'll talk to Timothy. This is the last time Batman gives Robin some sound advice. And so think about the weight of these words. This, this whole book has been incredibly important for Paul and Timothy, but this is it for Paul. He says, Timothy, I've got one last thing that I can say with you. If you didn't get anything else that I said, Timothy, here's, here's two, two sentences, two things that I want to close the book out with. And think about the, the huge importance and the significance that must be contained in these two verses. And here are the verses that, that Paul shares with Timothy. He says in, in verse 20 of chapter 6, he says, O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. That's one of the, Paul's favorite endings to his letters. He opens it up saying, grace be with you, and he closes it with grace be with you. Such power in these last two verses, and I want to unpack it this morning over the next few minutes that we have together. But um, you guys know this about me. I'm terrible with directions. I don't like directions. I don't take directions very well. I, I just, like when I'm in my car, it's a lost cause, but that's why I have a GPS. I love the GPS. Uh, even when I'm riding around in town, I'll plug in the GPS, because here's the beauty of the GPS. When you have a GPS, you don't even have to pay attention to what you are doing when you're in the car. You don't have to look for landmarks. You don't have to like squint to try to see the name of the sign. You don't have to ask yourself, should I be slowing down right now? Is, the, is it coming up? Is it 500 yards? Is it another mile? I know he said, like, go past the McDonald's and then you'll begin to see a right. But is the McDonald's here? Like, where is it? Like, you don't even have to think about it because the GPS has this voice that begins to talk to us. They'll say, turn right. The turn is coming up in 500 yards, in two miles, in 10 miles. Slow down, speed up. Like, it gives us everything 
everything that we need. So I, I love it. I'm, I'm lost without my GPS. But uh, recently I was driving, last year I was driving to pick up some friends of mine from the airport, David and Sunshine. You know these guys. They got us connected with Cuba. And they were coming home from Cuba one night, flying into the airport. It was late, and, and I wanted to pick them up because I wanted to hear the stories like firsthand. I wanted to hear what God was doing. So we, we pull into the airport, and, and they jump in the car. And David's sitting in the front seat, and he's telling me about what God has been doing and the progress that they've seen and the life change and the people that he was able to baptize while he was there. And Sunshine's in the back seat, but she's kind of sort of in the front seat as well because she's in between us and talking. And, like, she's sharing pictures on social media and texting people. And we're just driving. And because, because I wanted to hear the story, like, we turned the GPS off because I don't have time to listen to her when I'm trying to listen to them. And, and so we're talking and we're hanging out, and, and it's, it's 1030 at night, and, and we're driving. We've been driving for some time now, and we're driving, and I look up, and I, I see a sign, and it says uh, South Carolina. It's a South Carolina business. And now listen, uh, I went to public school, but I took geography, and this is what I know. Charlotte is right here. Winston-Salem is up here. South Carolina is down here. Winston-Salem, Charlotte, South Carolina, north, south. We are headed back from Charlotte to Winston-Salem, welcome to South Carolina. Something has gone terribly wrong. I look at that sign and I'm like, ah, South Carolina. I'm from South Carolina. I love South Carolina. I'm like, love it. Grew up in Columbia. Go Gamecocks. Wait, are we, we're going to Winston, right? And I looked at David. I was like, where are we? What, what has happened here? Uh, why does it say South Carolina? Why are we headed south right now? What, what's going on? Is anybody paying attention? And by this time, Sunshine pulls up her phone and puts it in the GPS, and we've gone about an hour out of the way. Um, and we didn't even know it because we weren't paying attention. And come to find out, we were supposed to take an exit or veer to the right, but we ended up veering to the left, and we were just so consumed with what we were doing. We, I didn't even notice that I had missed the exit. I didn't know that I'd missed the turn until all of a sudden, like, I look up and and I said, wait, where are we? What, what, is, what is happening here? What, something has gone terribly wrong because this is not where I want to be. This is not what I plan to be doing. By this time, it's 11 o'clock at night, and we've gone an hour out of our way. Elizabeth's texting me, you should be home by now. Is everything okay? And I'm like, we're in South Carolina. This is crazy. I'm sorry. What happened? Sometimes that can symbolize our life. Did you know that? Sometimes, whether it's professionally or financially, or in your marriage, or in other relationships, we can look up, and we're chugging along, we're, we're pushing forward, we're in the grind, and all of a sudden, we look up sometimes in life and say, wait, I don't, where, where am I? What is this? I did not think that I was going to be here. I, maybe you've been in the same job for a really long time, haven't got a promotion, haven't got a raise, anything, and you think, wow, when I when I started out, I didn't think that I would be standing here right now this many years later. Maybe you're in the middle of a marriage that's struggling, and you thought, wow, when we got married 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, I, I would have never thought that this is where I would be. Uh, maybe you're struggling financially, and you can remember the time where you weren't in debt, where you weren't over your head, where you were making money, and you had a bunch of money in your savings account, and now you, you kind of look up, and you look at your finances now, and you're like, where am I? How in the world did I get here? How did this happen? And what Paul begins to communicate to Timothy in these next few verses is that just like that can happen in all different aspects of our lives, this same thing can happen to you and I spiritually. This same thing can happen in our spiritual lives. We can look up and say, wait, what, where am I? What, what happened? 
I, I was on track with God. I can remember when I was growing. I can remember when I was close to him. I can remember when my life was moving in the right direction. But now all of a sudden I'm looking up and I'm realizing I'm, I'm really far away from where I should be. I'm really not where I thought I was going to be at this point in my life. See, things seem to be going really well. But now all of a sudden, like, there's, there's this question that I'm asking myself. I, I thought I would be so much closer to fulfillment in my life. I thought I'd be so much more on track to a life of significance and happiness and, and joy. Uh, what happened? What, what, what was it? Where, where was the breakdown? Uh, how did I get so far from where I am? And Paul looks at Timothy. I think it's interesting that Paul even looks at Timothy and says, Timothy, there's this tendency in verse 21. He says, don't swerve away from the faith. Sometimes people in life, they will tend to swerve away from Jesus. They will veer off of the plan that God has for him. Now, Paul is speaking directly to Timothy. Even Timothy, the pastor, the most spiritual stud in the whole room, Timothy, uh, Paul looks at Timothy and said, even you have the tendency to wander sometimes. Even you are prone sometimes in your life to veer off of the, the goal and the path that God has put you on and placed you on spiritually. And it's interesting, this verbiage that he used. He says he swerved for, for Christians, for followers of Jesus. They have the tendency sometimes to swerve from the path. Now, he does not say hard turn. He does not say U-turn. He does not say you're going 60 and you yank up the emergency brake and whip it around and do like a 180 in the middle of the intersection and all of a sudden you're going in the opposite direction. Paul doesn't say watch out because sometimes it's, it's our tendency to crash and burn and put this car in the ditch. No, no. He says here's what happens in followers of Jesus' lives. We have a tendency just to swerve, just, just a little movement. A swerve is very subtle. A swerve is gradual. A swerve can sometimes even be uh, just slight, almost not even noticing. Nothing crazy. Like, Paul isn't looking out and saying, hey, followers of Jesus, watch out, because one Sunday you may just want to stand up in the middle of the service and shoot the bird to the pastor and walk out in the parking lot and say, I hate you, God. I'm done with this. I'm never doing this again. And going to your house and starting a cult where you sacrifice animals and wear white robes and drink Kool-Aid together. Like, No, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say you're just all of a sudden going to flip and one day you don't even love Jesus and you're not even following God anymore. He says, you know what it's going to look like? Just a, a little slight turn. Just, just one day, if, if you're not careful, you'll be just a, a little hair off. Just, just a swerve, not abandoning the faith, not turning your back on God. You may be sitting here today and say, oh, I never turn my back on God. I would never say no to Jesus. I would never stop believing in him. Paul says that's what, not what you have to worry about. You just have to worry about the little swerve. And what starts as the little swerve, and you're in the middle of life, and you're in the grind every day, that little swerve all of a sudden results in you looking up one day and saying, wait, where am I? How did I get so far off track? How did I lose my path and my direction so much? And Paul says, it's just a swerve. It's just a swerve. That's what we have to look for. So how do we keep from wandering? How do we keep from swerving in our life? If Paul is so passionate about what he's communicating here, if he says, please, he's begging with Timothy, Timothy, please, Please, pretty please, do not forget this. Famous last words. Do not swerve from the faith. Do not swerve. 
do not even slightly turn away from Jesus. How do, we, how do we make sure we don't do that? Paul gives us the great example. Look in verse 20. He says this, O Timothy, first three words, guard the deposit. You want to know how you're going to keep from looking up one day and realizing you are really far away from what God's called you to do? the life that he's called you to live, that, that you're not going to be spiritually wandering in your life. He says, guard the deposit. Now, I want to look at that word when he says guard. Guard does not mean glance. Guard does not mean check in with occasionally. Guard does not mean set up a weekly meeting with. It doesn't mean have an annual review of the deposit. Guard means be relentless over it. Guard means never take your eyes off of the deposit. Don't blink. You need to figure out how you can sleep with one eye open because I don't even want you to take your eye off the deposit at night. That's how important it is. Like, hire you some guards to look over your deposit full-time, 24-7. Guard the deposit, Timothy. Do not take your eyes off of what this deposit is. You see the urgency with it. I read some research recently, a group of scientists were studying the human brain and our attention spans. And they wanted to know how long the attention span of the average American was. And one of the surprising things that they found out uh, was this, just a mind-blowing stat. It said this, almost half of Americans are not currently thinking about what they are currently doing. Do you understand that? 47% of people are doing something and not even thinking about it. Have you been on I-40 lately? That explains every bit of my angst on the interstate every morning. Like when I see somebody that gets in a wreck and I'm like lost an hour of my time, I just want to roll down the window and say, 47%, you were not paying attention to what you were doing. You were not thinking about it. 47% of the people, see, even science says you and I, our minds are prone to wander. We are prone to get swerved off from where we should be on the path that we, like, we can't even think about what we're doing half of the time. That's how prone we are to wander. It happens spiritually. So he says, guard the deposit. Think about it all the time. Process it. Be about it. Keep it on the forefront. Keep your eyes on it all the time. So with such urgency with that, like if I'm supposed to look at something 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I need to know what that something is. And the verbiage that he uses here is guard the deposit. So what's the deposit? What is this thing that Paul instructs Timothy, this pastor, to never look away from, to keep it at the center of every aspect of our lives? And scholars tells us, tell us that the deposit is the gospel, the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Paul looks at Timothy and says, never leave the gospel. Never forget about the gospel. Never take away from the gospel. Never add to the gospel. Never deviate from the gospel. Never swerve away from Jesus and the gospel message. Do you understand me, Timothy? Guard the gospel. Never take your eyes off of Jesus. Don't let your people take their eyes off of Jesus. In every area of their life, their finances, their relationships, their thoughts, their attitudes, their actions, guard the deposit, Timothy. Never Take your eyes off of Jesus. Be relentless about it. Form your entire life around the gospel and around Jesus. This is the deposit that Timothy, he has entrusted you with. Guard it. Don't never let your guard down. Never let it out of your sight. Guard the deposit literally means never take your eyes off of Jesus. 
The famous last words that Paul had to his prized pupil was, Timothy, in your teaching, in your preaching, in your loving, in your living, in your serving, in your life, in your relationships, in every part about you, guard the deposit, never take your eyes off of Jesus. It's the same thing, the same response, the same obligation and responsibility that you and I have today. Famous last words, if you want to keep from shipwrecking your life spiritually, if you want to keep from getting to the point where you look up and say, where am I and how did I get here spiritually, to be filled with regret and remorse, he says, one thing, guard the deposit. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Wake up to it. Go to bed thinking about it. Preach it, teach it, worship it, give to it, celebrate it. It's all about him. Guard, please, Timothy. Everything else I've written all centers around this. Just please guard the deposit. So how are we going to do it? How can you and I literally guard the deposit? How can we take this thing that is obviously so important from Paul to Timothy and make sure that we elevate and keep watch and relentlessly pursue Jesus in the gospel. There's four things that I see in these two verses that help illustrate what this gospel is is all about. Four things that we have to understand. Number one, this. Why, why do we need to guard the gospel? Why is the gospel important? Why is it significant? Why, does, why do we need to be relentless about it? Number one, because the gospel is enough. The gospel is enough. Paul warns Timothy, be weary of people that want to go deeper than the gospel. Be weary of people that want to talk about other things more than they want to talk about the gospel. Be weary of people that want to take the primary thing and make it secondary and elevate something else in its place. He calls it two things. He says, watch out because these people, they like to babble, talk about things that don't matter, and they're filled with contradictions. Babbling and contradictions are the words. See, there were two marks of religious people in this day, and you and I probably know a few of these, but religious people love to talk about what they do and what they don't do, and that makes them spiritual. That makes them religious. I don't drink. I do drink. Uh, I don't watch R-rated movies. I do watch R-rated movies. I choose these things in my life. That doesn't make me a Christian. doesn't make me not a Christian. Well, because I do these things, that makes me holier than you. It makes me better than you. It makes my life more sanctified than you. There were so many superficial issues on the outskirts that everyone wanted to talk about. And Timothy, Timothy, please, Paul says, do not get distracted by secondary issues. Keep the gospel at the forefront. Keep Jesus at the forefront. He even tells Timothy, avoid these conversations. He says, don't even talk about it, man. Because here's what happens. Paul knows this. You and I know this. Words are powerful. What we talk about ends up shaping our ideas, which change our attitudes, which change our actions, which in and change affect our theology. So even a simple word, a conversation, talking about something can result in us in our lives totally flipping in the opposite direction. He tells Timothy, like, don't even talk about it. Don't waste your time with it. It's just babble and contradictions that sometimes religious people like to talk about. Like, just, just do this. Keep the main thing the main thing. I had people come up to me and uh, ask me about certain things about Scripture. Um, do you believe in angels? Uh, do you believe in demons? Excuse me. Um, are we in the end times? Is this person the Antichrist? 
uh, is Judgment Day happening? What is the blood moon? Is that the blood moon? <laughs> what should we be doing? When are you ever going to preach on the book of Revelation? Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know the answer to any of those questions. Um, here's what I do know, though. Um, Jesus was crucified. He resurrected, and he's alive today. So that's the message we're going to preach. That's all I know. That's all we got going for us, right? Let's just preach what we know. There's a lot of things about this that we don't know. There's a lot of other issues on the outside that we can talk about and get caught up in. But here, here's what I understand. Here's, here's why this is so important. Did you know that if today was your last day on earth, do you know what your mission would be? To honor God with your life and to get other people to Jesus. Do you know that if judgment day was 10 years from now, do you know what your mission would be? Honor God with your life and get other people to Jesus. If the last day on earth was a million years from now, do you know what your mission would be today? Honor God with your life and tell other people about Jesus. You see in a pattern here? <laughs> Keep the main thing the main thing. That All of these other issues don't change what Jesus has called us to do. It doesn't take away from our task. It doesn't take away from our job. It doesn't change our day-to-day lives at all. So he just says, look, just, just here's, here's what we know, Jesus. So preach Jesus, teach Jesus, worship Jesus, give towards Jesus, sell your life out to Jesus, pursue him, tell other people about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Focus on the deposit. Be relentless in guarding the deposit. Your job remains the same. Like the gospel, it's enough. We don't need the gospel and other things. We don't need the gospel and an explanation of ah, post or pre-millennial. We don't need to know what's going to happen at the rapture. Our job is the same. It's to honor God with our lives and to tell as many people as we can about Jesus. So Paul looks at Timothy and says, keep the main thing the main thing. Focus on the gospel. Focus on Jesus. Guard the deposit. The second reason why it's so important for us to guard this deposit and focus on Jesus is this. The gospel is practical. The gospel is extremely practical. The gospel is, here's what I like about the gospel. The gospel is not just some religious creed. It's not just some really lofty idea. The gospel, the gospel is for our lives and changes our lives today. It's extremely practical. Here's, the relig- here's what the, the, the pattern that the religious people were getting into. The religious people, they love to learn about the gospel, but they don't care about living out the gospel. Uh, they were in a hot pursuit of knowledge. I want to know more. I want to study more. I want to know about all of these details in the Bible and, and, and how I can learn more. And these people would sit in classrooms all day in the synagogue and just learn. Now, here was the breakdown. They loved to learn about Jesus, but they didn't want it to affect their life. They had a great yearning for knowledge, but it never translated into life change in their actual life. See, the gospel is very practical. The the gospel is not some teaching that we repeat. It's not just some thing written in a book that's 2,000 years old that we just need to, to repeat like it's a church creed or a motto that we have. The gospel is practical in our lives. I'm convinced of this. What you believe, and let me clarify this, if you actually believe it, what you believe will have an effect on how you live your life, if you believe it. Paul says, if you believe the gospel, then it will have an effect on how you live your life. Let me, let me talk to the followers of Jesus in here right quick. 
if what you learn in here today doesn't affect your Monday through Friday, why are you here? If you don't know Jesus, we're glad you're here. We want to teach you about Jesus. We want you to know him and begin a relationship with him. But seriously, like, if you're a Christian here and you've been coming and you're just consuming and gaining more knowledge but never actually making it be practical and living out in your life, you should just stay home and watch baseball. Like, you should be golfing right now. The gospel is not some teaching that we just consume on Sunday morning. Like, yeah, we're here celebrating Jesus, but the church is alive and active Monday through Friday. So he looks at him and says, Timothy, you know the gospel is practical, right? You know the gospel is for our everyday lives. It's not some lofty idea that's on paper. It's something that we live out every day. Listen, if you're continuing to learn, if you come here every Sunday to consume and learn more about Jesus, but you stopped loving your neighbor and reaching out to the least and the lost, then Paul says, hey, wake up. You deviated from the path. Somewhere back here, you swerved. And if your faith is largely separated from your real life, then there's been a wrong turn somewhere. There has been a slight deviation in the faith, and you're going to realize one day, I am so far away from living out what I know, where am I? What happened? Paul says, please understand, don't swerve away from that. The gospel is extremely practical in our lives. The world says this, you need more knowledge uh, but the gospel, much like Toby Keith says, we need less talk and more action. We need actual play from the gospel. It needs to play out in, in our lives. So the further your living gets from your learning, the more you realize you have deviated from the faith. Is the gospel practical in your life today? Or are we just coming in here to learn more and just to bank it away in our minds as useless knowledge? The third thing is this, the gospel is personal. The gospel is personal. This is what I love about the gospel. The gospel is for me. The gospel is for you. It's not something that's far off. It's not something that is unobtainable. But here, Timothy says, Oh, Timothy, guard the deposit that has been entrusted to you. Very personal approach to what this gospel message is. The gospel is not just about some words on a page. It's about who Jesus is and what he's done for you. One of my favorite things that I like to do with John 3.16, I like to read this verse, but instead of, I like to swap the pronouns out with my name. I like to say, for God so loved Nathan that he sent his son Jesus to die for Nathan so that if Nathan would turn to Jesus, he would be forgiven and have eternal life. The gospel is personal. The gospel is open for you, and the gospel is, is open for me. i got to tell you something, man. I, I love scripture. Like, love it, preach it, read it. I'm dedicated to it. But let me share something with you. Um, if you have neighbors or friends that don't know Jesus, you can read this book to them all you want to. Let me tell you something that's really powerful when you begin to tell them how this book has personally impacted your life. Not how Jesus did a miracle 2,000 years ago, but how Jesus changed your life and how he can change their life. Make it personal, man. You may be talking to people that don't even believe this book. Tell me what Jesus has done for you. Share your Jesus story. Tell them, hey, this was my life before Jesus. Now this is my life now. Jesus is still in the business of changing people's lives. This gospel is personal. Oh, Timothy, 
Guard the deposit that has been entrusted to you. This is how Jesus has changed my life. This is how Jesus can change your life. Because somebody can stand up and argue about the fallacy of this book or tell you they don't believe it or say they've never read it. But look, when they're standing in front of someone whose life has been changed by Jesus, you can't argue with results. They can't look at you and say, no, Jesus didn't change your life. (laughs) They're not going to be able to look at your story and say, wait, that's who you were and this is how much you've changed, Uh, something happened, and his name is Jesus. Make the gospel very personal for people. The last thing is this, and here's how he closes out the book. You need to remember the gospel is grace. Timothy, grace be with you. Here's the message translation of this verse. Uh, It says, may you experience the life-changing gift of God that will keep you and sustain you. Wow. That's powerful. You want to know what grace is? It's a life-changing gift from God. Paul tells Timothy, every day you need to remind yourself that you are a recipient of a gift, and it's called grace. That breath you just took, it's a gift. That day you just lived, it's a gift. That blessing that you have, it's a gift. Everything that we have, remember, Timothy, you are the recipient of a gift, and it's called grace. The salvation that you have is made available through grace. Everything you are, Timothy, is a result of grace. Grace be with you. Grace be on your mind. Grace is why you are who you are. Every gift, every breath, everything we have, we are recipients of grace. Never forget that, Timothy. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. You can't work towards it. It was grace given to you. So keep that in mind. Preach it, teach it, live it, love it, share it, elevate it, guard it, and make it relentless in your pursuit as you guard the gospel. If you guard the deposit, guys, we will not swerve from the faith. If we remember that it's practical, that it's grace, that it's life-changing, that it's personal, that ultimately Jesus is enough. We'll live a life that will honor God, that will elevate Jesus and get other people into a relationship with him. Hey, Revo, guard the deposit that has been entrusted to you. Do not get caught up in the babble and contradictions of what so many people call knowledge. Let grace be with you as we make his name famous in this city.